0: story seven of tales from wagner by j walker mcspadden this LibriVox recording is in the public domain story seven tonhäuser the knight of song after the coming of christianity into the world people no longer believed in the old gods and goddesses they were called evil spirits or else people said they had never really existed at all but there was one goddess who was still believed in although she was feared and even hated she was venus goddess of love and in the heyday of her power she was worshipped in many lands for did not love stir the hearts of all men and would it not rule all the world at the last and so venus had been given all honour and affection and in return she had been the kindest of all the deities and had tried to make her subjects happier and more considerate one with another but now as i say all this was changed people had ceased to worship venus and in revenge she began to do everything she could to injure them instead of pure affection which makes the heart glad she sent a baser love which is only selfish and which brings jealousy and quarrels and heartaches in its train and Venus herself, from being a goddess, became a witch. She went to dwell in a deep cavern within a mountain in Germany, which came to be called the Venusberg. Here she would lie in wait for men whom she would enchant and keep imprisoned within the mountain forever. They would forget their homes and loved ones, everything, while they served her and were subject to her wiles they no longer saw the sun or moon or stars or the fresh green of the springing grass instead they lived in a rose-colored twilight filled with beautiful clouds the heavy perfume of flowers and the dancing laughing figures of youths and maidens spirits of this mysterious underworld ruled by the witch venus one day while the enchantress was watching and waiting near the entrance to her grotto she saw a knight coming slowly over the mountains he was young and handsome with the first fine strength of early manhood but just now he seemed moody and dispirited venus who could read the hearts of men knew who he was and whence he came but as you have not yet heard i will pause to tell you the young knight's name was tannhuser and he lived in the country of thuringia at this time there were many minstrels or strolling singers in the land and so popular were they at all the courts that even the knights laid aside their swords and spears and forgot their joustings for the harp and its music and the contests of song the king of this country in his castle at wartburg had held many song contests or tournaments and great was the honour to any knight or minstrel who won his prizes one of the best harpers and sweetest singers of them all was tannhuser he had early shown a fine ear for music and when the time came for him to enter the contests he won many prizes and bade fair to outdistance all the others indeed it was whispered that so appealing were his harp chords and so wonderful was his voice that he had quite won the heart of the king's niece the princess elizabeth yet tannhuser was not entirely happy he loved the princess and he loved his music but although both smiled upon him he felt vaguely dissatisfied it seemed to him as though the honours and pleasures of the world had come with too little effort he wanted to reach out beyond for other things still unattainable he knew not what Finally he bade farewell to the princess and to his friends at the castle, saying that he was going to travel in distant lands. The parting was sorrowful, although he had fully resolved upon it, and now, as he set forth across the mountains, carrying only his harp, he was doubly sad and cast down. Suddenly the rock-door of a cavern swung aside before his gaze, as if by magic— in the dimly lighted entrance he saw a beautiful woman standing and stretching out her arms to him her figure was outlined by a halo as it were caused by the rosy glow which came from within the cave it was venus who sought to lure him her terrible witch's eyes were hid behind a smiling face and she was once again the fairest woman in all the world now she wove a spell while she beckoned to him come she said softly i have seen your unrest and alone can bring you happiness in my blessed land you will find all the music and beauty for which you seek come scarcely knowing what he did the knight obeyed the enchantress and entered the portal as he did so the heavy stone closed behind him and at the same moment the memory of his earth life vanished like a dream he had become in a moment a subject of venus taking him by the hand she led him far into the depths of her mysterious realm and at every step his wonder and delight increased here the very trees seemed attuned to harmony there the waves of a deep blue lake sang of love as they beat upon the shore out on the water swam bewitching mermaids while on the strand the light graceful figures of elves and sirens engaged in mimic warfare here at last tannhuser thought he had found true beauty and happiness and so he gladly served his queen for a whole year thinking of it only as a single day he had in fact completely forgotten his old life and lived wholly in the present content with the joys of the moment but at last a change came over him something he knew not what stirred within him and told him that he was a slave he began to realize that he was under the power of a spell and that he had given up many things for which he now dimly longed he began to grow restless and silent the watchful venus saw this new mood almost before he was aware of it anxious to overcome it she prepared new and wilder pleasures day by day dances pageants masquerades tableaux banquets and tournaments followed each in bewildering succession concerts were given which far excelled the music of earth her wiles seemed successful for the time tannhuser forgot his moodiness and when venus asked him to compose a song in her honour he responded with one full of praise of her beauty and charm then he sang of the life at venusburg and its attractiveness but even as he sang his new-found longing gained hold of him and he ended with an outburst which surprised even him tis freedom i must win or die for freedom i can all defy in rose-hued grottoes i am longing for all the soft wood zephyrs thronging for vision of fair heavens blue the songs of birds the old earth's view come life come death forth would i go to taste of human joy or woe no more in slavery would i lie o queen o goddess let me fly venus was full of anger at this direct appeal for freedom in spite of all her arts but she hid her feelings behind a smile and said in soft tones whither would you fly are not all things here in perfection what more would you desire ask and you shall be obeyed i want only freedom said the knight mournfully what is freedom where could you go the earth you speak of has forgotten you here you are immortal and all things are yours still i would away persisted tannhäuser i know not where O oh, queen give me leave to try another life for myself something that will meet this new-found longing within my breast i will not be disloyal to your memory indeed i will sing your praise and yours alone but give me leave to go then depart said venus her voice growing cold with anger out of my sight ungrateful mortal but heed well my warning you have lost your hold upon the other world by lingering here and men will shun you when they find whence you come some day you will return to me and willingly till then away she stamped her foot and in a moment the scene changed like the dissolving picture upon a stage instead of the grotto with its perfume and dim lights and dancing figures tannhuser found himself lying upon a grassy knoll under the wide blue sky of heaven and with the bright sunlight streaming full upon him he rose as if waking from a deep sleep stretched his limbs and took a long breath of the sweet pure air as he did so he cast his eyes across the valley and instantly his past life came back to him Fresh and distinct as if but yesterday, there stood the noble castle of Wartburg, where he had taken part in the contests of song, where the king had been gracious to him, and where the beautiful Elizabeth had smiled at his coming. A pang smote his heart when he remembered her sweet graciousness. Where was she now, and how long had it been since he proved so unworthy of her? Nearby by a shepherd played upon his pipe while his flock grazed contentedly near him presently the piper called the sheep and they followed him down the valley to fresh pastures then the sound of men's voices singing came to the knight's ears from a distant mountain path slowly it drew near and grew more distinct a mournful yet beautiful melody chanted by a group of pilgrims on their way to rome As the words of the penitential song reached him, the knight felt for the first time the weight of his sin in turning aside from the path of duty. Overcome with remorse, he fell upon his knees before a wayside cross, and prayed fervently for forgiveness. While he knelt, a new sound smote the air. It was the blast of hunting-horns mingled with the joyous baying of hounds. Presently the king himself entered with a troop of huntsmen, starting out upon the chase. As they passed near the kneeling knight, the king recognized him, and, reining his horse, he asked kindly where Tannhäuser had been. "'I have been in strange lands, your majesty,' answered the minstrel knight sadly. "'I went in search of many things, but I found them not. I pray you, let me fare on my way.' not so answered the king we have missed you greatly in the lists of song and upon the chase stay with us at least for a time the other knights joined the entreaties of the king to tell the truth some were not over-anxious for his return as they remembered only too well how he had vanquished them in singing but there was one of their number who had been tannhuser's steadfast friend wolfram von eschenbach by name who hastened to greet him and urge him to remain with them. Wolfram had been a rival of Tannhäuser, not only in song, but also for the favour of the princess. Yet this did not detract from his generous welcome. But still the wandering minstrel hesitated to return, and it is probable that he would have gone on his way had not Wolfram said in a low voice, Let the welcome of still another win you back to us, there is one yonder in the castle to whom the sight of your face will bring back the light in her eyes and the smile on her lips in sooth she has drooped sadly since you went away and the contests of song which she was wont to grace with her presence are now forsaken by her need i tell her name to you have you indeed forgotten the fairest among maidens the princess elizabeth tannhuser trembled violently at the mention of her name a deep longing came over him to behold her face once more and hear the sound of her voice although he felt with tenfold anguish the sense of his own unworthiness his eyes were full of tears as he turned and looked toward the castle shining in the sunlight upon the farther hill i pray you lead me to her presence he said simply come commanded the king seeing wolfram take tannhuser by the hand and turning with all his cavalcade he escorted the wanderer back to the castle with all the pomp of a conqueror that very night had been set apart for one of the yearly contests of song and though the lists had long been closed the king gave command that tannhuser's name should be added the princess elizabeth had not been visible when the company first returned to the castle but she had heard of her knight's return and had joyfully promised to attend the contest so the occasion bade fair to be of more than usual splendour in the evening before the expected guests were assembled the princess went to the minstrel's hall a large circular chamber with high columns and arched roof to attend personally to setting it in order and also perchance as her heart confessed to catch an early glimpse of her beloved knight. fair was the princess as a may morning with deep blue eyes that had caught some of the far-off sky in them her hair was soft and golden and curly as that of a little child Slight of frame was she, but with a gracefulness and height that gave her a queenly dignity. Her cheeks, too often pale of late, were to-day flushed with animation. She had indeed missed her minstrel sadly, and now her heart bounded at the news of his return. Presently she heard a familiar footfall in the room, and knew without looking up that it was he. Oh, Princess, forgive! said a voice. Tannhäuser was kneeling at her feet, his hands stretched out imploringly. "'You must not kneel to me,' she answered gently, endeavouring to raise him. "'It is not for me to forgive. Only tell me where you have been so long.' "'I cannot tell you that,' he replied brokenly. "'I have wandered far away from your dear presence, and between yesterday and to-day the veil of oblivion is dropped.' every remembrance has for ever vanished save one thing only rising from the darkness the thought that some day i might behold your face again and hear you say i forgive elizabeth covered her face with her hands but the glad tears trickled between her fingers and tannhuser beholding her emotion realized how deeply he had been loved and what a pearl he had cast away but the princess like all loving women was forgiving she asked no more questions of the minstrel but when he took one of her hands and then the other as all lovers will she let them linger in his own imperfect content the entrance of the king broke upon their little scene of reconciliation he saw it all at a glance and came forward with a frank smile Ah it is as i had hoped he said as he took a hand of each and held it for a moment now let us have no more quarrels but live together as harmoniously as one of our minstrel's songs thus it was that tannhuser realized in a great wave of thankfulness that his old life was still open to him and not closed as venus had said he resolved to be worthy henceforth of his position and honours above all would he cherish this sweet princess who loved him so unselfishly not long after this the sound of trumpets proclaimed that the contest was about to begin the king and the princess took their places upon a dais at one side of the hall while tannhuser retired to make his proper entry with the other minstrel knights soon the people began to throng the hall nobles and ladies came first and passed before the throne and bowed before taking their seats then came warriors and chosen guests and finally with another flourish of the trumpets entered the singers of the evening each was a famous knight who like tannhuser had laid aside the sword in favour of the gentler harp the fame of some of these knights, like Wolfram von Eschenbach and Walter von der Vogelweide, is known to this day, but among them all, none was more handsome or of better renown than Tannhuser. As these knights did obeisance and took the places assigned to them, the king rose and thanked them all for their attendance. The subject of the songs, he said, was to be love, and whoso should sing best on this lofty theme should receive the prize from the hand of the princess elizabeth let him ask what he would added the generous king and it would be granted more than one of the knights had been a suitor for the princess's hand and they saw in this promise a reward for their dearest hopes so you may imagine what a wave of suppressed excitement went around all the crowded hall at this announcement the hands of the minstrels trembled as they drew lots for the order of their songs the lot of wolfram came first and amid a profound hush he rose to begin thrumming the harp-strings with a practised hand he began in a low clear voice to sing of unselfish devotion and chivalry wolfram had long loved the princess but had generously yielded place in favour of his friend tannhuser now his song showed the nobility of the man he paid tribute to the ladies of the court among whom the princess shone as some rare gem then his voice rising steadily higher till it thrilled his hearers he sang of the one true love that counted its highest joy the sacrifice of even life itself for the loved one when wolfram had finished the hall resounded with cries of acclamation for indeed his song had been beautiful and no less true tannhuser alone did not join in the applause while the song was being sung he had sat silent as one in a dream again before his eyes came the vision of the fairy grotto with its gorgeous pictures and entrancing music he seemed to see the bewitching figure of venus and to hear his own voice as he promised her i will sing your praise and yours alone scarcely knowing what he did tannhuser sprang to his feet before the applause for his rival had subsided and began to sing an answer to wolfram's strain but how different was his theme instead of the pure exalted love which glorified in self-sacrifice he sang of selfish desire which sought only for personal gratification truly the enchantment was still upon him for he could think only of the life of the grotto and the round of pleasures which had been planned for him rather than of any devotion upon his own part but that was the way in which venus once the goddess of true love now weakened men's minds when tannhuser began to sing the audience gave him close heed he had not proceeded far however with his strange theme when murmurs of anger and dissent began to be heard which increased until one of the minstrels at length sprang to his feet the love you sing is false he cried false as your own heart we will not hear it in silence nor suffer you thus to cast a slur upon all true knights i challenge you to mortal combat these words were loudly cheered by other minstrels the entire hall was in an uproar until the king arose and commanded silence then wolfram was seen standing once more with harp in hand beckoning to be heard in words of kindly reproach he rebuked tannhuser for his selfish and unworthy song he could not know what real devotion was wolfram said if he placed it upon so low a plane then wolfram again touched his harp-strings and sang a pleasing tender refrain in praise of the love to which they all aspired but tannhuser rudely interrupted him and heeding not the clamour which broke forth again He sang in wild, reckless fashion of the life he had led during the past year. He told of the grotto, its music, its perfumes, its exquisite scenes, and round of delights presided over by Venus herself. "'Your heroic self-sacrifice,' he ended sneeringly, "'is cold and tame in comparison with this, "'and the fairest women of earth pale into insignificance "'beside this wonderful goddess,' ah venus i have kept my promise thine be the praise he ended as one in a trance as in truth the poor knight must have been he stood motionless with gaze fixed as it were upon some hidden scene while his harp fell clattering from his hand to the ground then the outcry burst forth with redoubled fury the minstrels surged forward tumultuously crying HE HAS BEEN TO THE VENUSBURG. HE HAS FALLEN UNDER THE POWER OF THE EVIL ONE. AWAY WITH HIM. KILL HIM. IN THEIR ANGER AND HORROR OF HIM, THEY MUST HAVE slain HIM, HAD NOT SOMEONE INTERPOSED. BUT QUICK AS THOUGHT, A SLENDER, WHITE-ROBED FIGURE STOOD BETWEEN THEM AND THE MISGUIDED KNIGHT, AND HELD OUT HER HANDS ENTREATINGLY. IT WAS ELIZABETH. SHE HAD SAT THERE, SICK AT HEART, listening to her chosen minstrel's song all too well she saw how unworthy was the one to whom she had given her heart but once given she could not recall it in a moment she would pray for him and live in the hope that he might yet prove worthy stop she cried to the nobles who circled about tannhuser with swords drawn stop i command you would you slay him with all his sins ripe upon his head he has dishonoured knighthood muttered the minstrel who had previously challenged him he deserves no mercy then that is all the more reason why you should grant mercy she answered by this time the king had asserted his authority and soon the semblance of peace was restored then elizabeth in all her sweet dignity pleaded the cause of tannhuser addressing now the king now the nobles and now the knight himself She pointed out that Tannhuser was still under the spell of evil into which he had fallen, and was not accountable for his deeds. Give him another opportunity, O my king, she concluded. Perchance, in the doing of some penance or some gracious act, his better heart will assert itself, and he will then see how he has wounded all our hearts this day. As she finished speaking, she turned to find at her feet the penitent knight the vision had passed leaving him bowed down under the burden of his sin and unworthiness he kissed the hem of her garment while tears flowed fast and unchecked from his eyes for his life he cared not a straw but that he should have sunk so low in the eyes of this noble woman the thought smote his heart with keenest anguish then the voice of the king came to him as it were an echo one path alone can save you from perdition and everlasting woe abandoned man that path is now open to your steps Today, a band of pilgrims are setting forth on their toilsome way to rome depart with them and seek pardon for your sins even as the king spoke a chant was heard through the open portal tannhuser recognized it as the same sweet strain he had heard that morning by the wayside cross he kissed the hem of elizabeth's robe once again and dared to look with mute entreaty into her eyes then he sprang quickly to his feet and addressed the king in two wild hopeful words to rome he cried and hurried from the hall to join the pilgrim band one year passed slowly by again it was springtime fragrant with the bursting of buds and melodious with the song of nesting birds and now the return of the pilgrims was anxiously expected at but among them all no heart was more anxious than elizabeth's day after day she had sat in the casement overlooking the valley night after night she had knelt in fervent prayer for the safety of one who was a wanderer over the face of the earth and daily would she go, attended by her maids, to the little wayside cross where Tannhäuser had knelt when the pilgrims passed by. Indeed, her whole life seemed to hang upon the love which she had given and could not recall. Her prayer was only that her loved one might be forgiven, and that she might see his face again before she died. One afternoon, just at sunset, while she knelt, as her custom was before the cross wolfram von eschenbach approached her his love was still as noble and unselfish as it had been in former days and so he longed almost as earnestly as she for the return of her pilgrim forgiven that she might be happy and restored to health was his great desire Today, the sight of her pale and wasted features alarmed him health to you my princess he cried saluting her and then continued methinks it is now about the time of year when our pilgrim band should return hast heard any news she asked starting up none but the hermit peter is of opinion that they will be back before another change of the moon ah god grant that they may the princess said wearily sinking again before the cross While Wolfram stood gazing sadly at her dear face, she suddenly turned her head, and a look of rapt attention came into her eyes. "'Listen!' she exclaimed softly, while she sprang again to her feet. "'Listen! Do you not hear it? It is their song.' It was indeed the far-off chant of the pilgrims, which her quick ear had caught. They were returning at last." soon the little company came in sight and then filed slowly by rejoicing that their penance had been accepted and their sins forgiven but to the eager eyes of the two onlookers one figure did not appear tannhuser was not among them he will never return said elizabeth quietly and giving one last despairing glance down the valley she fell upon her knees and made a last pitiful little prayer it was that death might soon come to ease her aching heart until then she vowed devoted service to the church and she asked in return that tannhuser might still be forgiven the prayer ended elizabeth rose and slowly walked away toward the castle wolfram looked after her as long as she was in sight with a strange foreboding clutching at his heart-strings it was that he would never see her again alive the sun had long since sunk and the twilight was deepening but wolfram still lingered by the little cross made sacred by her presence as he tarried the evening star rose above the rim of hills and began to glow with peaceful brilliancy it seemed to wolfram as though the soul of elizabeth were there shining in that far-off sky he began to sing a beautiful measure filled with this thought and beginning o thou sublime sweet evening star scarcely were the last notes silent when a pilgrim drew near he was tattered footsore and dejected yet at the first glance wolfram knew him tannhuser he exclaimed what does this mean do not tell me that you have not received pardon for the king would not allow you to return otherwise tannhuser did not reply to his question but merely said "'Show me the road to the Venusburg. "'I have lost my way.' "'You have indeed lost your way, unhappy man, "'if you would return to that evil place,' "'exclaimed his friend. "'But first tell me, have you been to Rome?' "'I have been to Rome.' "'Were not your sins forgiven?' "'You see how I return,' answered Tannhäuser defiantly. "'I pray you, for old friendship's sake, "'tell me all,' pleaded Wolfram, "'Did you not do penance, and then go before the Pope?' "'Aye, so I did. Every pain and penance set forth in the calendar I did faithfully perform. I afflicted my body with grievous blows. I gave all my substance to the poor. I ministered to the sick. I prayed night and morning before every shrine. I asked forgiveness continually, yet my soul felt heavy and oppressed.' Then I went before the Holy Father and confessed all my sin. He had pardoned the other members of our band, but when he heard that I had lived a year in the Venusberg, he was filled with horror and indignation. Out of my sight! he exclaimed. There is no mercy for such as you. As soon would I expect this staff in my hand to bud and bring forth green leaves thus am i for all time accursed continued the wanderer bitterly there is but one thing left for me to do the enchantress told me that all men would renounce me and that when i was driven from the world i could find refuge again in her grotto i must return to her ah do not go said wolfram laying a detaining hand upon his friend's shoulder do not throw your last slender chance of salvation away but live a life of good deeds and self sacrifice. There was one who knelt at this cross only this evening and prayed to heaven for your pardon. Such prayers do not go unheeded. Too late, groaned Tannhuser. I am utterly unworthy and cast off. If you will not direct my steps to the Venusberg, I must summon the goddess herself to my aid and raising his voice he called aloud to venus under the name of goddess and asked her to aid his distress instantly the shades of evening were lighted by a ruddy glow while a heavy fragrance smote the senses in a radiant mist dim figures were seen which danced forward laughingly and beckoned and pointed and down the bright broad pathway they trod, a flood of rose-coloured light streamed from a portal in the side of the hill, while there in the entrance stood Venus, a vision of evil beauty and charm. "'Farewell forever,' cried Tannhäuser to his friend. "'I go to the only haven left for me.' "'No, no!' exclaimed Wolfram. "'An angel is even now pleading your cause in heaven.' it is the soul of elizabeth see he pointed as he spoke to a procession of woe that was filing out of the castle gate it was a group of mourners bearing torches and chanting a solemn refrain as it drew near a bier was discerned in the midst and thereon lay the lifeless form of the princess elizabeth ah dear lord have pity Said Tannhuser in hushed tones while he watched the procession advance. Have pity and save me from the power of the evil one. At these words, the magic light of the Venusberg vanished as suddenly as it had come. The enchantress realized that her victim was lost to her forever. But Tannhuser paid no heed to these things, he stood only gazing at the mournful procession which was passing by. At a gesture from Wolfram, it halted, and then Tannhäuser came with slow, reverent steps to the side of the bier. As he sank upon his knees, his strength suddenly left him, and he felt as though his hold upon life were slipping away. But with it went his burden of sin and sorrow, leaving behind a blessed peace such as he had never known before. "'Elizabeth, dear saint in heaven, pray for me,' he murmured his head sank down until his forehead touched her hand suddenly the intense stillness was broken by a thrilling cry from the outer edge of the circle a miracle a miracle said a voice wolfram pushed his way gently to his friend's side in his hand was the pope's staff and it had budded and brought forth green leaves see the sign which god hath sent he said in hushed tones it is a token that all your sins are forgiven tannhuser's face brightened into a glorious smile but he uttered no sound instead his head fell forward again until it was pillowed by elizabeth's white arm the wayworn pilgrim had ended his journey the knight of song had heard the harmony of true love sung by a celestial choir his wandering steps had been guided by the faith of one steadfast soul into the ways of peace. End of story seven.